Attention, everyone. I want to rock! This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. Welcome to Rock Out Loud. It's the Rockin'est Podcast in all the land. It's where we just kind of pick a topic, an album, a group, or something, and uh, and we talk about the music that we enjoy so very much on this show. Now, I'm kind of square when it comes to music, and I've always admitted that. My name's Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. My contributions will be it jams or it don't jam. And that's going to be more than true tonight as we tackle songs from 1999. I'm not going to do it alone. In fact, um, we have with us, of course, the rockin'est chick in all the land. She was a, a spry nine years old when 1999 was a thing. And so she has quite the unique perspective on this season of music, especially where she was with her Bon Jovi Trapper Keeper stickers. But hey, it's Kristen in Jersey. What's going on, Kristen? Hi, everybody. I mean, it was the year of my first concert ever, so that Bru- happened. Bruce Springsteen? Yes, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> September 20th, 1999, First Union Center, Philadelphia, PA. <laughs> well, you know what? I wish you remembered it. <laughs> I know. I wish I remembered more of it because I truly, I don't. There's like certain mm-hmm. things that I remember, but then I look and I'm like, oh my God, he played something in the night. I got something in the night. My first Bruce show. Like I'd kill for that song now. <laughs> like, like you didn't know what you had. And hey, and in yeah. the words, and in the words of Cinderella, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Jeff from Cinderella. So sad. We've lost a lot of people in the last month. It's really upsetting. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been it's been kind of crazy. Who else is going? I don't know about all the people, I guess. Well, uh, Dusty from Up, um, he just passed away yesterday. Joey Jordanson from the Murder Dolls. Uh, Gary Corbett, the keyboard player from Cinderella. So we had two people from wow, Cinderella die. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, the lead singer of Metal Chart Church, the um, and the violinist. From Kansas, and then the singer from Skid Row that replaced Sebastian Bach. Oh wow! That's all in a month. Now wait a minute. The first person who was the first person you said? Uh, la, la, la. Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. ZZ Top. Thank you. Yes, you you went out. You you cut out. There. Oh, sorry. I didn't know Dusty Hill had died. Literally yesterday. Oh wow. Literally yesterday. I it's so bizarre because it almost feels like it did in twenty sixteen where we lost like so many in such a short span of time, but like this is in like a month span. Should we be doing a ZZ Top show tonight? I mean, I don't know about tonight. I would have to do a lot more preparation <laughs> for that. Oh man, seventy two years old. Wow. I will tell you though, I did recently eat at uh Billy Gibbons restaurant mm, in LA. Okay. Man, how'd he die? Uh, I don't 
it came out yet. Okay. I mean, it is so fresh, right? Yeah. I mean, yesterday. Yeah. 70, but I haven't seen anything. 72 years old. Man. Sharp-dressed man. Um, cheap sunglasses. Give me all Give your me all loving. Your loving. Legs. I mean, they were tush. Tush, yeah. They were they jammed, man. I'm I'm going to tell you something. I don't give um ZZ ZZ Top enough attention sometimes. So they feel like a very U band, and I think there's actually a documentary out about ZZ Top mm-hmm. that was like on Netflix or something like that. Um, so uh, if that's out, I'm definitely going to uh I'm definitely going to check it out. I think it's called like. Uh, like that little band from Texas or little yeah. band from Texas. Yeah. Uh, double back on the Back to the Future 3 soundtrack. There you go. Anyhow. All right. Well, man, that is terrible. All these things. So back to 1999 when Kristen was nine years old. Steve's favorite year. Oh, my gosh. Let me just say tonight I'm I'm irritable already. And, and, not, and music of 1999 has not put me in a great mood. It feels dirty to me. 1999 rock and roll and I like like grunge, you know, was like it's just plaid and 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 dressed down. Like, you know, it, it was kind of done in yeah. 99 too. Like grunge was right, kind of grunge over. was dead. That's what I'm saying. Early early to mid 90s grunge was just kind of like, you know what? We're not really trying to glam up anything. And and that's really what it was. It was like, well, we're not glam rock and we're not doing real high-pitched wailing, but we're just dressing like normal people for the most part. Um, shoegazing. Right. Shoe, thank you. Shoegazing. <laughs> by the time, but see, by the time you get to 1999, they just took it and was like, we're going full trailer trash on y'all. We're going full, uh, <laughs> we're going full just dirty, nasty. And, it, and there's just a film, like a nasty, thick film, like you see on stagnant water all over the music of 1999 for me. When it comes to the rock side of things. Now, the pop side of things is all bright and, you know. It couldn't be brighter. And awkward in some instances. So. <laughs> Can we say, though, why we're talking? Like, we need to just pull this right. ear out of the That's air. That's true. Can That's we- true. We, 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 we're not just pulling this out of the air. The other night, Kristen, um, Kristen rocked me um, with a text about this documentary on HBO Max about Woodstock 1999. And I had seen it, and I had put it in my kind of remember to watch this later because this could be interesting. Because I remember hearing about it in 1999. I was, I was kind of in a weird place between like three different states. Literally, in 1999, I lived in three different states throughout that year. And so I was kind of always on the move and always kind of, you know, moving around, bouncing around here and there. And wasn't paying a lot of attention to you know much of the news scene and everything. I think the first, the the biggest thing, of course, I remember sitting down that really caught me in '99 was what happened at Columbine um, mm. that year in April. Uh, other than that, it was a lot of work, a lot of getting set up in this town, a lot of moving out to Minnesota, you know, where I was going to be there for a year doing an internship. And so a lot of this stuff just kind of passed me by, and I only heard what I heard on the radio. But I remember hearing about $4 water. That was the big thing <laughs> at Woodstock 99. And then I remember seeing pictures of like things burning. And I'm like, oh, wow, that kind of took a turn for the worse. And I just kind of let it go. Well, this documentary, I'm like, well, this will be interesting to kind of see where things went south and see what happened. 
What started the fire? Yeah, what? Well, because we didn't start the fire, and <laughs> it was always burning. Well, yeah, apparently. <laughs> and uh, man, this this is one of those things. It started, and and the documentary did, and it just kept going, getting worse. And um and and it just reminded me. I'm sitting there watching, and I'm seeing some of these acts come out on stage, and and it just it brought so many memories to mind. I'm like, I was more aware of this than I thought I was, um, and and I was just like, oh, what a terrible time, what an awful time to be into music and into pop culture, <laughs> you know? Uh, yep. And I mean, not pop culture necessarily, but but music especially. And I was just like, oh, I and, and it just made me. So irritated, I began to just get irritated all over again with with the music because I would be turning around on the radio, you know, trying to find something to listen to, and it would be this junk that I just didn't like, and I'm like, oh, and Impossible. I I started to become an old man in 1999. That's when it happened. Back in my day, yeah, yeah. Well, just for just for kicks and giggles, all right. Yeah. Um. The, the on the Billboard Top 100, the number one song of 1999 was "Believe" by Cher. Mm -hmm. Do you believe in love after love after love after love after love? <laughs> so anyhow, this documentary is really intriguing, <laughs> and, and we're going to talk about that uh, as we go along tonight and get into some things. But before we do that, Kristen, I want to I want to bring things full circle. Your first concert in 1999, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And then in 2021, you found yourself on Broadway. I did <laughs> watching Bruce. How was that? Um, uh, I mean, it was it was exactly what I expected. Mm -hmm. Um, it was. I mean, like, I feel like like some people like expected me to go, and they were like, "You're gonna have this like life changing moment. You're gonna be like, oh my god, you're gonna totally like go back on all the crap you talked about Springsteen on Broadway." No, um. I'm not. It's it's just it's not for me. It's not my preferred way of seeing Bruce. Um, did I sob? Yes. <laughs> yes, mm. I did. But I knew that. I brought tissues. I prepared. <laughs> um, but like when he talks about his dad, I mean, obviously, Steve, you know, like when he talks about his dad. Right. That's that's what always gets me. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, I told you, like, afterwards, like, he says about his dad, like, you know, my dad was my hero, and he's, like, when I had to pick, choose a voice to, you know, express, like, you know, the lyrics, I chose my dad's voice, and I chose my dad's clothes, and I have dreams where I'm standing next to my dad, and I, we, we both look at, like, me on stage on fire, and I say to my dad, Dad, you see that guy on stage, that's how I see you, like, mm -hmm. It's mm. just like so I know. Like it's just like completely heartbreaking. I was like sobbing during that and I was so happy because literally like it was my first show based like first non-drive-in show since COVID kind of stopped the world. And literally when he walked out on stage, I started crying when he walked out on stage. Wow. He didn't he didn't even do anything. Wow. <laughs> but like it really showed me like how much I missed live music and like the live music experience. <laughs> Like, it's basically my therapy. Um, but yeah, so I literally started crying from the second he walked out. And I was like, I'm not looking at him on a screen. I'm not looking at like a video on YouTube. Like he is there. Um, so obviously when he talks about his dad. He talked about his mom a lot in this too, because he like told us, which wasn't in the original Broadway show. Like his mom is going on 10 years with Alzheimer's. She can't feed herself. She can't walk. She can't talk. But the one thing she remembers is music. So he plays music for her. And he's like, I know when she looks at me when I'm playing music for her that, like, 
her look at me as her saying, I love you. And of course, when he talks about Clarence, um, was heartbreaking. Mm. Yeah. Um, and like 10th Avenue freeze out for me was the highlight of the night because it was the one time that the audience got to participate. So, you know, Bruce does the whole, like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the biggest man you've ever seen. You get to cheer for Clarence and, you know, change and made up town. And the big man joined the band. You get to cheer, like, you know, all that stuff. So like, I loved that because I was getting antsy, not being able to like scream lyrics to these anthemic songs, like growing up and promised land and 10th Avenue. I'm like, God, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get out of my seat and scream and jump. Yeah. Well, apparently Kristen, um, I've got, I've got a beat on some audio. Apparently you did do that. I did. Yeah. So, we gotta bury that audio. Well, no, we're gonna. I think we're gonna bring it to the table on the next Rock Out Loud. We're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna try. <laughs> Good lord! I, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. Um, but then, like the other part that got me was like um, he did this whole monologue. Like my favorite, like paragraph from the book is it's towards the end, and he talks about like how his journey was. He wanted to tell the whole story, and he's like. You know, I wanted to write, I wanted to put the story out there so it could be passed down to you and have it make sense of your life and pass down to your kids if they're interested. And I was just like, I'm one of those kids. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, That's me. It's so crazy because like when you, I, I remember being at his show in Atlanta and I was amazed at the kids that were there mm-hmm. and into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, It's just, it's incredible. And like, he did that whole kind of like monologue. um, And he says, he's like, I love doing these shows. He's like, because every night I get to visit with my dad for a little bit. And he's Mm. like, I get to visit with Clarence for a little bit and Danny for a little bit. And he's like, and I get to visit my mom how she was. Mm. And I'm just like, like, it's just so sad. Like, it's, it's like you're happy. And like, there's just some moments that you're just like, oh my God, like this is soul crushing. And like, I was so happy because like, I heard other people like sniffling and, you know, (laughs) and so I was like, okay, it's not just me that's up here being like a blubbering mess. Um, But yeah, I mean, would I do it again? No. Um, Would I say if you're a massive Bruce fan and you love all things Bruce to go and see it, if you can and you have the money do it. I mean, I said from go, I wasn't going to spend more than $75 for this show. And I got a $75 ticket and I went. So I can say I crossed it off my bucket list. I would not have lost sleep if I did not go. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad I did. I, as a Bruce fan, I'm glad I did, but it, it wasn't the life changing experience that some people have had. I, would, I already had that with Bruce. <laughs> I would not have. Oh, right. Well, you you met him. You y'all became best friends. You know. Right. <laughs> I mean, he initiated a hug. I didn't have to ask him for a hug. He said that I was sweet and said, "Come here," and pulled me in oh. for a bear hug. Oh, wow! I will never forget. I will literally never forget that moment. I say all the time where it's like. Oh, never meet your heroes. It's like, well, I met Bruce Springsteen, who was essentially like me meeting God. Like, I'm not a religious person, but it's like, it would be like a religious person meeting God or Jesus. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's what it was like for me meeting Bruce. And the fact that he was present and he was with, like, he looked in your eyes the whole time. He wasn't looking at the next person that was coming up the steps or, you know, coming up behind you. He was with you. And I mean, what that's I'll, incredible. What I will always remember and take away from that day is 
the text, Steve, I got out to the car and immediately called my dad just crying. I did. I, yeah, I didn't even get to the car. I got out in the parking lot of the, the bookstore and I started calling. I called my dad and I literally couldn't speak. I was like on the ground sobbing. But you held it together until then. Yes, you didn't I held it, it together with Bruce. him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which is the important part. That's right. That's right. Got to be cool. Bruce says it was the important part when the changes made a town, the big man joined the band. No, the, the important part is me not sobbing and crying and falling to the floor when meeting Bruce Springsteen. Got to be cool in front of the boss. You got to, man. I mean, you got to play it cool. Got to play mm. it chill. Wow. Got to well, make him awesome. like you and hug you. That's that's cool. I think I think the show is still up on Netflix. The what they the, what they recorded for Netflix, I think, may still be there. The uh, it is. Springsteen yep. on Broadway, and um, and I I, I, want, I need to sit down and watch that. I've wanted to, and I've watched a little bit, but I haven't watched the whole thing. So I don't know if I'll be able to handle it though, because if he <sighs> if he gets to talking about his dad, I'm sorry, just listening to his book was yeah. like this is too rough. I this is just. So, I would say the book is rougher. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Because the book is, you know, more detailed. Right. Right. But I mean, like that part where he talks about his dad, where he's like, you see that man on stage, that's how I see you. Mm. I mm. just can't, I just can't handle it. Yeah. Like gotta, I get choked up talking about it. Yeah. We like, gotta, it's just, it's we, so incredible. We so. gotta, we gotta stop. <clears throat> we gotta stop. stop. Let's move on to the next thing. Tell me about that awesome robe you got from Dev Leopard. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I almost forgot about the robe. Honestly, it came with a certificate of authenticity. <laughs> because, of course, it did. And um, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, uh, Def Leppard has this thing called the Def Leppard Vault, which you could sign up for for free if you're a Def Leppard fan. And every now and then they put out, um, you know, special items to be purchased. And they had... They were making replica hysteria bathrobes um, that they would do, like put on after every show. And I have wanted, when I say I have wanted this robe since I was eight years old, <laughs> I'm not lying. If they would have also made the, the uh, companion animal slippers, I also would have bought those. But for now, it's just the robe. <laughs> the com- uh- <laughs> Let's talk about the phrase, the companion animal slippers. <laughs> I mean, any Def Leppard fan knows what I'm talking about. You know the slippers, you know the image, but the uh, the robe is so soft. It's light, which I love. It's not very heavy. Has a ginormous hood. So I, yeah, I'm so happy, and um, I finally own a piece of Def Leppard history. I own the Hysteria robe. Well, so this is a legit robe, like from the tour. So it's not like it's a replica. So it's okay. an exact replica of right. what they wore. Gotcha. Okay, that's what I thought. But then you're like, I own a legit Def Leppard robe, and I'm like, wait a minute. Suddenly, this is much more. Interesting. I mean, it's legit. It has a certificate of authenticity with my name on it, which I love. Mm. <laughs> it's the little things. I'm psychotic. I am aware. But like I said, what about the slippers? I got to keep an eye out. Maybe they'll be made available one day. Nice. And, um, and of course, you were out in L.A. I, yeah, I went to Los Angeles for a vacation. Um, like, my first real vacation. I don't really count Nashville. It was, like, a weekend. Sure. Um, but, yeah, this is, like, my first time. I felt like I went to rock and roll Mecca. Like, I feel like I'm an official rock fan now that I went to L.A. And, you know, 
I did all the rock things. We went to the rainbow like three different times. We got to go up into the lair of the Hollywood vampires, which usually you can't get up there. We got in there, saw the whiskey, saw the Motley apartment, saw the Viper room, saw where River Phoenix died. Mm. I mean the whole thing. I to be honest, like I, I've told people at work, like every day was like having some sort of rock, like religious experience with rock things. Um, like we saw this the house that David Bowie lived in during the Station to Station era, where he like lost his mind and filmed the man that fell to Earth. So that was super cool. We saw a lot of like, you know, we, we went to a lot of celebrity graves. So speaking of the 90s, we saw Chris Cornell's grave, which was actually a, like a gorgeous grave. Um, yeah, I mean, just like the, the typical things, you know, visiting sure. dead celebrities. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need some I need some info because I didn't really text back and forth with you about this. The lair of the Hollywood vampires. Yes. I need to know what particular group of people includes uh alice cooper keith moon bob brown john lennon ringo Starr, harry nielsen and mickey dolan's of the monkeys fame uh the type of group is uh alcoholics okay that's what that's what you're looking for it's this it's this room at the rainbow this super tiny room um upstairs like i said like it's not really open to the public but we did a tour um which uh by the way if anyone's going out to los angeles shout out to john D'Amico with rock and walk tours <laughs> he is the best um and he got us in there and like i said it's a super tiny room where like those guys like you know your elite of the elite would go and drink and do other nefarious activities. Um, and now it's like forever immortalized, like where they have like their stuff. It's like the signs like carved and it mm -hmm. has like all their names carved into it. And again, I felt like I was in, I felt like I went to rock and roll Mecca, but wow. yeah, it is a very unique group. And I mean, Alice Cooper is famous for saying all my drinking buddies died mm. and you know, he got sober and I think the eighties, so, I mean, him and what? Like, him and Ringo Starr are, like, the last two that are alive? Mickey's still alive. Mickey's. Okay, so Mickey there's Dolan's three that alive. are alive. Keith Moon's still alive, isn't he? No! Keith Moon's dead! Who do I think Keith Moon is? Uh, I don't know, but he's the drummer in The Who. <laughs> You're right. Who's the, who's the guitarist for the Rolling Stones? Oh, Keith Richards. Keith Richards. That's who... Yeah. I got Keith Richards in my head. So, also, I will totally let Mark Hamill call me out in the chat. He said, don't forget the picture with Robert Plant. So um, we were walking towards a hotel. I'm sorry. What? Well, no, not with with. <laughs> let me tell the story. Oh, <laughs> let me tell. So um, we were walking in, like into this hotel and uh, we were with John and John was like, uh, anyone here like the movie Almost Famous? <laughs> and Andrea, my best friend, goes, oh, God. <laughs> It's my favorite movie of all time. And he's like, okay. He's like, so where does um, Russell tell William to meet him in Los Angeles? And I said, are we? I was like, wait. I was like, are we in the Riot House right now? Are we at the Continental Hyatt House? And then he, he was just like, oh, my God, you were ridiculous with the stuff you know. I was like, dude, I'm obsessed. Um, but we were talking to the um, the bellhop there, and he was saying, that, like, he worked there when Almost Famous literally, like, redressed the entire hotel. And he was like, they took so much, like, attention to detail, everything from, like, the locks on the door 
to, you know, the carpet on the floor. Like everything mm-hmm. was so yeah. detailed for accuracy. Right. Um, and that was the hotel that Led Zeppelin would take like, you know, five floors and ride their motorcycles up and down. And it's where the infamous words, I am a golden God, mm. were screamed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there is a picture in there of Robert Plant looking out on his balcony with his arms stretched out. And it says, I am a golden God underneath it. Mm. So, of course, John was like, you guys have to get a picture with it. So I was like, for the almost famous reference, I will stand next to a picture of Robert Plant holding my arms out, smiling up to the sky, (sighs) saying, I am a golden god. Okay. All right. Because I was going to say, I did not receive a picture of you having run into Robert Plant, and I was going to call hypocrite on your tail. Um no, I didn't run into any celebs in LA. Uh, we missed we missed um, Quentin Tarantino twice. He was at the place we ate dinner at one night, the place that um, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top owns. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was there, and we missed him. And then he was at the Sunset Marquee, and we missed him there. The, okay. the, he was there the next night. <laughs> okay. And we also missed uh, Priscilla Presley. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm like, damn. I need to just. And that was like. Our tour guide, John, he was like, yeah, oh, my God, Priscilla Presley was there. Da, da, da. And I'm like, yo, I just need to, like, walk around with you and just, like, encounter celebrities. Were you all like, Scylla? Um I was like, uh, I mean, I would rather see Quentin Tarantino. Not that I really love Quentin Tarantino, but, sure. like, that, I would be like, oh, my God, that's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Is, uh, is he known to be a, a nice person in public, Tarantino? He always strikes me as he would be very dismissive of people in public. I feel like that too, and like I wouldn't have gone up to him. I would have just been like, "Holy, I almost right. cursed." I was gonna sure. be like, "Oh my god!" Like that's the, yeah, that's Quentin Tarantino. Sure. Um, but yeah, and like we went to the ra- like I said, we went to the Rainbow a bunch. Which I mean, if Lemmy was still alive, you know, we probably would have seen Lemmy playing the, the you know the video poker. <laughs> right. But we got we got a picture with his statue instead, mm. uh, and we went to visit his grave as well. Okay. Well, you had a great trip. I, you know, there's a lot. You sent me a lot of pictures from the Warner Brothers Museum and some stuff on the Walk of Fame and the very, very cool stuff. Um, I particularly enjoyed the Christopher Reeve Superman outfit. Oh um, my God, Steve! I could not handle it. Like when I when we turned the corner and I saw those, I was like, "That is Christopher Reeve's suit." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Get out of my way!" Somebody was standing there, and it was like this girl who was like really, really, really young, like probably not even a teenager yet, and she was like looking at it, and I was looking at her, like, "Can you please move so I can get a picture in front of it, please? Thank you." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. And also, I mean, I loved. Um, I posted this. If you're in our Guardians of the Goliverse group on Facebook, I posted a bunch of them in there. But I loved the, um, like the Clark or the Superman thing that they had in the wall where he's flying and all the capes yes. above him. Like yep. I thought, that yeah, that was, was re- cool. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also, I mean, like I'm a like I love Clark Kent. Like Superman, yes, love obviously, but like Clark Kent's my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when they had the daily planet set up and I was, and nobody was in that corner and I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, all right, there's a picture of Lois. Okay. And then I saw that the drawer was open. I was like, what's in this open drawer? And I was like, Oh my God, it's Clark Kent's glasses that were on Henry Cavill's face. <laughs> and his press pass and everything. And his press pass. Yeah. Yes. I was like, this is killer. And I mean, obviously they had all the wonder woman stuff, lots of wonder woman stuff. Um, I was just surprised at, like, the lack of Joker stuff. Like, yeah. the only Joker thing was Jared Leto's Joker. That's really weird. Yeah, really and I weird. was like, you know, 
Like, I don't know. Like, maybe you don't have Heath Ledger's Joker suit. Like, maybe that's archived somewhere. But, like, something of Heath Ledger's Joker and, like, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker just made you a billion dollars. Yeah. Like, yeah. have Arthur Fletch, like, you know, tan jacket or something. Well, and outside of, like, I mean, like, honestly, there's enough that you could do. Jack Nicholson. You could do Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger. Yeah. You could You could have a Joker kind of display. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like DC. Like to me, DC villains are like the greatest villains ever. Like you, just, you cannot mess with like that pool. So right. it's like, why are is there no villains representation? Like I get it. There's Justice League everything everywhere. Yeah. Like can't we have a corner for the villains? Right. Well, the problem is, is on screen there hasn't been that many DC villains. You I know? know, but then they had Poison Ivy and Mister Freeze. That's right. I think that is hilarious. To be honest with you. <laughs> Like where's the Batman nipple suit at this point? Right. If you're doing? gonna do if you're gonna throw Batman and Robin villains out there, how about Tommy Lee Jones outfit or Jim exactly. Carrey's outfit? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, Jim Carrey's Riddler outfit. That would have been sick. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Oh. So also just you Good know idea people, Warner Brothers, hire us. Right. Well, you know, look, this isn't Geek Out Loud. You made a statement that I'm having a hard time biting my tongue back to talk about, but <laughs> Also, you sent me pictures of like the footprints in uh, in the Walk of Fame, and I, like there's famous footage of R two D two and C three PO putting their footprints in the cement there, or cement, however you want to say it, depending on where you're from. Cement. Of course, you got Harrison Ford, which is kind of recent, I think. Um, is it? I feel like it may be because I, I feel like Mark Hamill was there for that. Not Mark Hamill, not Mark in the chat right now, but the actual <laughs> Mark Hamill. Maybe it was maybe it's been a little bit longer ago than I realized, but I think it's been since Disney acquired Lucasfilm. Um oh, wow. and then George Lucas and Steven Spielberg's Square, which is really cool. So just some also, neat stuff. Also, can I say Steve and like Andrea can vouch for this? Like there were things like I mean, you know, like I'm not like the, a massive Star Wars fan, right? right? But literally, I was like, oh my God, hang on. I was like, I got to get pictures for Steve. That's right. He passed the scum and bill when he can't see. And I was like, oh my God, I need to get a picture for Steve. <laughs> you're like, so there was, there was so much stuff. I was like, I need to get this for Steve. Oh my God. It's like, it's like you're my aunt and you're like, we got to get this for little Steve. He'll love this. <laughs> so. I take care of my friends. There you go. Well, all right. Well, look. Um, and then, and then it was all culminated in, hey, you've got to watch this documentary, which I'd planned on doing anyway, and and we did, and it was the Woodstock '99 documentary, and man, what a what a crap show! Um, what a roller coaster! <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. So they they put it on pay per view that year. They, now, obviously, they'd had a successful one several years prior. Yes, um, 94. In 94. And and so they're like, well, let's come back in 99 and do the 30-year anniversary, you know. Um, we did the 25-year anniversary. Let's do the do the 30-year anniversary. And it's just amazing how within four years, the the nature of attendees changed. Four or five, mm-hmm. in five years, rather, the nature of attendees changed. Um, and the music completely changed. Because yes. 94 was a little bit more geared towards, like, what they did... At the original Woodstock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 99. Yeah. It just a... Uh, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, let's... Well, well, let, well, yeah, let's talk about it. Because I, I got to tell you, as I said, watching this thing, like, it, it's it's set up in such a way that they never give you hope um, with yeah. this documentary. Like, they, they right from the outset, it's like, you know what this is going to be. 
So why don't we just go ahead and get into this story? And But what you do get to see is, and it's really sad, like the people of Rome, New York, where this was being held, this was a down-on-its-luck town. Industry had up and left. You know, it was around that same time of, uh, uh, that was in that time of the country that was happening all over the place, these smaller towns. And, um, and they had like an abandoned, it was held at like an abandoned Air Force base, basically, or air hangar. Yeah, which, hello, peace and love Woodstock <laughs> yeah. is happening on a military Which base. is, you know, which is great kind of irony and, and would have a great meaning. If this thing would have gone well, what a great story it would have been, mm. you know. Um, unfortunately, it did not go well. Uh, no. <laughs> and 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 I'm watching this thing, and I'm watching all these interviews at the time. It's got some great footage. It's got great local news footage. Um, Incredible. What about the footage from the press conference the next oh, day? Yes. That was yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, like, and just all like the archival MTV footage too, because that's how I watched right stock 99 yeah. like i remember watching the footage of them there like mm -hmm. that's how i knew what went on when i was again nine <laughs> yeah yeah and so it you know it's it's this thing that was that was going on and what what really kind of made me sad and i knew immediately what was going to happen was when they were talking about all the kids who did all the artwork to put you know uh, uh, basically two miles worth yep. around the fencing of this location you know, so on the outside, it had the peace and love and welcome to Woodstock, all this other stuff that kids at the school had done mm -hmm. and different organizations, only to be like kicked out and burned later on. Like, so sad. And some dude even said, Well, I know they worked hard on it, but that's trash now. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my gosh, my man, come on. It was just like they didn't care after a while. And it's like, yeah, there is a lot. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, right? I mean, it was brutally hot. Mm hmm. So that plays into it. You had the $4 bottles of water, yep. which again, crazy. Yep. Um, and the promoters and the, like the, the festival, like, you know, founders just not having a clue, a clue about anything. I mean, when they were talking in the documentary, they talk about the water and how they're, yes, hi, I am from New Jersey. Water, <laughs> um, they talk about the water and how there was enough Oh, well, you didn't need to buy a $4 bottle of water. There's plenty of water all around. Hmm. And then they show, it's like, yeah, so there were these water watering holes that people were bathing in. Yeah, literally watering holes. Like, Yeah, man. Like, oh, and then, I mean, who in their right mind is like, you know what? Yeah, so there's water that's like, you know, gone out here. And it, you know what? Cool. It's actually by the porta potties. And there's like, it's mud. Look at this. We'll be like 94 in mud. Who in their right mind is like, I see a muddy substance next to a porta potty. That mm. has to be mud. Yeah. Like, what are you thinking? Mm. No, it's gross. It's really Ugh. sad. And then, and then the documentary itself follows the journal entries of the one dude who was yep. just looking forward to being in the pit for Metallica. And I think at this point, it's when, when they start talking, when, when I, when the first entry came on, I'm like, that dude's going to end up dead. I think that dude's dead. Same Steve, the exact same thought. I was like, this guy's dead. But see, I vaguely remember. That's what I'm saying is I think I vaguely remember hearing about that as well. And I'm like, I think that dude's dead. And then the, the word mosh pit brought a whole other flood of emotions to me. And I'm like, this was the dumbest stuff. You know, humanity has just seems to me to have gotten progressively stupider. And 
and I really thought that 99 mosh pits were the height of that. Like, you know, and I know there's a whole different crowd today. I've seen stories of like, you know, dude was in a mosh pit and a girl got caught in there and, and, uh, and he backed everyone up and was like, Hey, you know, and, and it's like, I, that may be a true story or not. You know, this is a whole different time though. This is now, this is a story that someone put on Facebook from like 2015, not 1999, you know, and, and two, you, you met, you throw alcohol into the mix Yep. You know, you throw drugs into the mix. Which they flat out say that security was told coming in, oh, if they have their own water, they cannot come in with that. But if they have drugs, if they give you like five, ten, twenty bucks, let them come in with the drugs. Well, I don't like, know. If, I don't even what? know if they were. I don't even know if they were told that as much. It was like that's something they decided to do. You know, yeah. like eh, just let them bring. You know, let them bring. But like it was the the water was told not to let them bring water in because of the four dollar water trucks. You know. Like they they need to be buying their own, which to me that's a huge mistake. You know, there's like, and what's amazing to me nowadays is, you know, they're talking to one of the promoters uh, from that time, John like, John Sher, yeah, my, and but he was he was talking modern day, and he still is like, yeah, you know, it would a lot of people had a great time. If I saw. And I don't care. This is on a podcast. It'll be here forever. If I saw John Sher on the street, I'd kick him squarely, squarely in the balls. And I'd stand on him. I mean, the what dude. a scumbag. A total scumbag. Like here's That the... man said that stuff today. Yeah. Yeah. It's not archival footage. He said that the women walking around. Yep. Brought on their sexual assault. Right? Are yeah. you literally insane? And the thing is, it's like regardless of, uh, yeah. Well, let's just go down that road real quick because here's the thing. Also, cool. also in the, uh, also in the vein, I guess, of people trying to be like Woodstock, you had a lot of naked people walking around, mm-hmm. primarily a lot of naked girls, and of course, look, it was this was like spring break on steroids. Yes. If if you've ever been to 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 see if you've ever seen like on MTV or anything, MTV Spring Break. MTV Spring Break. What's going on behind the scenes there is people are hanging out on the beaches and stuff and riding up and down the strip. You have guys who are hanging out the window. You have scrubs who are hanging out the window trying to holler at me. You know, I mean, like they are they are literally hollering at the girls. Hey, show you, you know, and and so what you have here is this enclosed space. That's what. That's exactly what you know the dudes are doing, and unfortunately, now look and and here's the thing because there is a fine line between victim blaming, which we don't do, but also saying good night. It, it, as unfair as it is, you know, uh, just at some point by the second or third day, someone had to say, you know what, girls. Let's put shirts on and just kick guys whenever they ask us this. You know, like it it's it's just it is absolutely stupid because anytime you get that kind of environment, drugs and alcohol going, it's not safe. It's not safe for girls, it's not safe for anybody. And and this dude does say, Well, they shouldn't have been walking around like that. Yep. Well then you should have had security that didn't let them walk around like that. You know? I just like it, it. Just blows my mind because he he literally said, "Well, what did they ex- did they expect not to get touched?" It's like, yes, yes, they did expect not to get touched. 
I don't care if you're walking around naked. That gives nobody the right, right. You're right. to you're assault right. you. Right. Like, it's just like, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have, I will die. Me and Andrea, my best friend, we always <laughs> say, like, we will die on the free the nipple hill. Where it's like, literally, there's no difference between men's nipples and women's nipples. So it's like, oh my god. It's just infuriating. And that whole thing, like, I was like, I was on, like, I liked the documentary to begin with. And then when that guy said that, I was like, who is John Schur? How do I find him? How do I find him, yeah. How do I make sure that he never promotes another show ever again? Like, who, after watching that, could feel safe at a show that John Schur promotes? Also, he's completely delusional, where he's like, well, everything was fine, but MTV, you know, Kurt Loder, he had, you know, something against us, so he was, like, you know, painting us in a bad light, and we got killed by the media. Oh, and not only that, but I I didn't think Fred Durst would start a riot. Cool, John. Let's talk about Fred Durst and Limp Bizkit for a second, okay? Let's do it. Um, so one, they played on day two. Right. Uh, the riot happened on day three when the Red Hot Chili Peppers were playing. Yeah. So your timeline's effed up, right? And then, secondly, when he was like, well, I don't think at a regular Limp Bizkit show, Fred Durst goes around telling people to break stuff, break stuff. Like, uh, hello? They literally have a song. The song is called a Break Stuff. Yeah, called Break Stuff. So I guarantee you every show that Limp Bizkit performed that year and subsequently, they t- they tell you to break stuff. Give me something to break. that's the name of the song. Give me something to break. Which, by the way, is like a gr- I love that song. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> you know, look, I wish you had, first of all, Kristen, I wish you had an opinion about the situation. Dude, I'm, John Sher literally sent me on a rampage. So here I am. I have thoughts. Well, here's the thing. Here's my thing with it, is like as as one of the one of the things that they show on this, as you mentioned, were like the daily press conferences, and you yeah. saw people asking him these questions, and they were being confrontational. And instead of saying, "Yeah, we've messed up, and we're looking in the best ways to kind of rectify this situation." Like they doubled down on these bad choices that they had made in yep. promoting this in promoting this show, and then they would send the talent out on stage to tell them to try to get the crowd to to calm down. They did that several times, you know. Um, and it's like that's not their responsibility. Like, yes, should they do it? But yeah, what are you doing in between bands? And I think I think to Fred Durst's credit. He mentioned like guys grabbing girls who were crowd surfing or something. There was someone that did that. Like that was Dexter from The Offspring. Okay, yeah, that, that's right. That was The Offspring <laughs> that came out. That's right. Kudos because to him. because then they showed some of their performance, and I'm like, wow, he really didn't sound good. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he didn't, Kristen. He didn't sound good at all. Doesn't um, sound like the album, right? But yeah, definitely, definitely well produced on that album. Um, but it's just like. If he's the only one who set out and did anything like that, you know, um, yeah. If 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 you got guys like and look, I'm not one of these people who are like, I don't know. It, it was just a bad situation from the word go. And the minute you have this kind of stuff go on, my pro, my biggest issue outside of the 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 crap that went down in a negative way is is honestly John Sure continuing to double down at the event. And now all these years later, like, yep. like show a little bit of contrition and be like, you know what? It was bad. And, and, and there were some huge mistakes made and, and my hubris would not allow me to admit that this was a bad situation. Um, nope. 
you know, it was no fire festival to be sure, but it was, it was, it was just absolutely insane. Now, look, I do have, there, there are some takes from some of the people they have commenting on the situation, commentating on the situation that, mm-hmm. that I feel like are a little overtly 2021 takes, you know? Like that, what, Steve? Well, like they, they kept, here's a phrase that kept coming up again and again and again. Well, okay, Kristen, look, now you're going to get me in trouble. You don't talk about it if you don't want to. Well, like, they just kept saying, a bunch of white boys, a bunch of white boys. And I'm like, no, it's just a bunch of boys. Regardless. I've seen concerts, of, I've seen footage of, like, concerts going wrong with all creeds and colors. You know what I'm saying? And so, it's like, let's just say it's a bunch of boys, and it's also the culture of the moment in time and history. Because when you have, I'm sorry, when you have insane clown posse on stage... Their followers are not known to be the most respectful, uh, kind, you know. The juggalos. Yeah, the juggalos are not the are not the 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 the, the nicest people. I don't want to say nicest people in the world, but they're just not the cleanest. They're not the, you know, they get a little angry really easy. And this was all angry music. Like that's the other thing. Like it was so funny to see Jewel on stage. Well, what about when the lineup was literally like Alanis Morissette, Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine, and Metallica? Like right. that's the lineup. Right, right, and, and on one stage, on one stage. Right, <laughs> right, and and so you know, and Alanis was in an angry phase at the time. Still, I guess she had done. Um, no, I guess it was way after Jagged Little Bill. It was four years after Jagged Little Pill. So she had yes, kind of. That might have been like when she, I forget what album, but like the Thank You and yeah, Hands Clean yeah, album. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was the. Um, she was on the soundtrack of that Angel movie, the Nicolas Cage oh, Angel movie. Yep. City and of Angels. She played. She played God in Dogma. Yeah. Yeah. So you know she was kind of. Spoiler alert. Yeah, she was a little bit softer, you know, by that time. But at the same time, you know, you do have. Uh, just it, but it, like I say, it, to me it was funny to see Jewel try to play to that crowd, and I'm like, that's weird. Um, Did you notice too? They never played like Alanis. Like you heard her sing "Ironic." They mm-hmm. never like put the audio for Jewel in. Right, right. <laughs> and then Cheryl Crow. So again, like it's right, Cheryl Crow on, th- on three separate days. Yeah, and Cheryl Crow was having none of it, by the way. Apparently, no. Like, I, I was cracking up when they showed the interview of her with Kurt Loder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, it it was just it was really weird. But now, honestly, you know, if you go back to '99, and, and as we get into the music here, it's like who could you have gotten to kind of balance things out? Um, you know, there were a lot of hot acts in 1999 that could have come, but suddenly, if you put those acts in, I don't know. Like honestly, I do think I think that if you'd have had you don't do it on different stages. I think you do the same stage where people are kind of filtering in and out of the stages a little more. You know, you do bring in a Britney. You do bring in a, a one of the boy bands. You do, you know, that were hot at the time. You do bring in uh, a, a Ricky Martin kind of thing, you know, so that you've got a more diverse crowd than what ended up being there. I don't think any of those bands get out of there. <laughs> Alive? Well, Alive no, no, they, they done- here's the thing though. They do if you know up front that they're going to be there. You know what I mean? Like if it's advertised, look at these, these gut bands are, because then what you have are people who say, you know what? I'm going to go on this day 
because I want to see this band, but I'm not going to go this day. Or on this day, we'll be there, but instead of, you know, getting up to the stage, we're going to chill and kind of rest that day and take, you know what I mean? Like, there's a reason that you program these things so that there's a natural progression of people who will kind of chill for a while and people who won't. But this was just constant, just rammed down your throat energy. And here's Cheryl Crow. No sense. Like, one thing I will say, though, is, like, after watching that documentary, like, it puts, like, I mean, anyone that has gone to festivals post-Woodstock 99, like, it puts it into perspective of, like, you know, oh, we we did learn a lot from this. Right, right. (laughs) Like, I I mean, because my first, like, festival festival um, was 2005. Mm -hmm. Like, my first festival would have been... I mean, it technically Taste of Chaos, but that wasn't a festival. It was one stage. So we'll say Bamboozle. So Bamboozle was my first festival, then Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. And it's like never once. And also, I mean, that was, you know, like I said, 2005. So that's a couple years later. Like I was saying to Angie and Bill, like, I'm so happy that I came up in like the, the era that I did. That, like my generation was not like the late 90s, early two, like super early 2000s. Because none of that stuff gelled with me. And like I... There have been very few shows, really just one show that I can think of that I ever, ever felt unsafe at. Mm-hmm. And none of those shows, like the one show that I felt unsafe at was a Motley Crue show. Yeah. And like me and Angie, we walked to the bathroom and it was literally like going through a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Like the like verbal harassment like was insane. People grabbing you. I remember Angie like ended up yelling at somebody at one point and was like, she's 15. Like Ooh. it was just like it was so bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, But like all the festivals and all the shows that I went to by myself, like never felt that way in any way, shape, or form. So I'm stoked that, like, the generation that I was going to shows in was very much of the, like, someone falls down, you pick them up. Right. And Gerard Way being on stage, being like, I'm going to censor this because he curses. But but essentially, if you ever see, you know, crappy dudes and crappy rock bands telling you to show them your, you know what, for a backstage pass, spit in their face and say, F you. Yes. Like, that's what we were preached at. Yeah. from the stage. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's but also look, here's the thing. Like even in the even in the 80s with um with uh, my my wife says it sounds she's been to India and she says it sounds like a train in India. Um which is which is the same she said your your uh, Motley Crue situation sounds like a train in India. Huh. Being on the train in <laughs> India. So um, yeah, look, the thing is, is like even in the 80s with all of the quote unquote satanic acts, you know, you had uh, Ozzy biting the heads off of bats and chickens and stuff. You, you never really, I don't know, like it still didn't feel as just dirty and dark as watching what was going on here at this thing. Yeah. And 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 that sounds absolutely counterintuitive. But the thing is, is like Alice Cooper was a show. Ozzy Osbourne was putting on a show and did it freak out, you know, conservative Christian people like my parents and others? Yes, it did. And, and rightfully so in some instances, but still, you know, it's kiss is a show. And, and here what you had is, and I really do think I, Kristen, I really think that this is the natural progression of what began and and I know that I I think it was Jewel who was like putting over Nirvana like this isn't yeah. their kind of thing. I think this I was hated a, that. I think this was the natural. I'm sitting there like Jewel. This is the natural progression of where they went, 
because you went from party, have a great time, you know, going off the rails on a crazy train to, um, to, to insane clown posse, to, to yeah. give me something to break, you know, regardless of if the song jams or not, you know, there was an attitude. And I remember working with some of these guys, you know, I, there was one dude that worked at McDonald's with us that when he was in his street clothes, it was like the big pants, you know, the big jeans that. Yeah, like, the Janko jeans. Yeah, and, and stuff. And they were drinking Fago and everything. The thing was, is these dudes were posers, you know, but <laughs> but there was one of them who he did have this air about him like he was just angry, you know, and it was absolutely reflected in the music that he 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 chose to listen to. And a lot of it was a lot of these groups here. And the other thing that kind of bothered me is DMX is out on stage doing his song that has the N-word in it and everything, and everyone's just, he's getting them to shout along with him. I thought that was a weird, I was, when they were, when that conversation happened, I was like, I feel like this is a very, like, like you said, like, I feel like this is a very 2021 take, like, I don't know, something about that, I was like, okay, I feel like we're reaching a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, no, like, I would never and have never said that word, even if DMX was on stage inviting me to right, say it. Right, like, I'm not going right, to. Right. But, like, their whole take on that, I was like, I don't know, this feels a bit, like, woke-minded. Right. And, and not necessarily, like, thinking like it was at that time. As Yes, and as they're talking about that, I'm like, look, he's asking the audience to do that. So, yeah. so you gotta, you gotta give them that. And then, and then I'm thinking, is this really one of the bad things that happened, you know, at this show? Yeah. Is this, I, I, you that know, was that was weird. Was this really worth, you know, the edit of saying, we really need to make sure this is in there. Um, yeah, they weren't throwing bottles. I mean, you saw like White Cleft John, they were throwing mm, bottles at yeah. offspring. They were throwing bottles at yeah. like DMX walked out on stage and they said, throw your X's up. Literally, you just see everybody giving the X. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like they weren't doing that to like oppress him. Like I felt like they were going with that kind of they were trying to make that where it's like, oh, like it's, you know, these angry white dudes and right. like they're saying this to put down a black man. And I'm like, I don't nope. get no, they, that was not what was happening. I can tell you, that's not what was going on at all. That was that was a bunch of people who were fans of this dude's music. Because here's a news here's a news flash for everybody. There are a lot of of white guys that listen to you know hardcore rap and gangster rap, and DMX was big in the day. So you know, and rap was super popular. In rap that was time. huge in this moment in time. Yes, for sure. So. Anyway, it was just it, it's such a it's such a dark, sad kind of thing, and then you know to know that just how I don't know it it was evil in so many ways, and then and I will say this: then the white boy thing. A lot of times, listen, white people like to do stuff that is kind of crazy. White people like to burn things and throw things in rivers. That's what we do for fun. <laughs> so. So as things started to burn, they were like, let's see if this burns. I mean, that's really what was going on. We need more fuel for the fire over here. And uh, and, and then, of course, uh, Chili Peppers are on stage. <laughs> and dude says, looks really cool out there with all those fires. Oh, my God. I, and literally, I was like, okay, well, why don't people, like, uh, why don't people vilify and crucify the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Because right. they, like, one, were playing during the riot. Mm -hmm. They, inst they, they were, like, continuing to put, you know, not, you know, 
pun intended, fuel on the fire by being like, that looks really cool. It's like Apocalypse Now out there. And then playing fire by yes. Jimi Hendrix. Yep. Yep. So it's like, why? Because the Red Hot Chili Peppers are seen as like a cool band. Like, oh no, Red Hot Chili Peppers, no, like they're cool. They're cred. Like they, they got cred. They're cool. But Limp Biscuit is seen as this joke. So we're going to rewrite history and like crucify Limp Biscuit and be like, not even mention Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, yeah. No, and I hate Red Hot Chili Peppers anyway. So I, when I, I saw that, oh I was like, all right, more reason to hate them. <laughs> wow. But how about your boy Scott Stapp brought out uh, brought out guitars for The Doors? Come on. All right, Steve, I got to talk about it. Um, yeah. So one, it's your boy. Second, um, <laughs> I get what they were trying to do. Yeah. Robbie Krieger, amazing. Mm-hmm. The Doors, incredible. Um, my one problem was when Scott was like, yeah, we were trying to like fuse the two music festivals mm-hmm. when the doors were banned from Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were not allowed to play Woodstock. Look, so they were not at Woodstock. I don't, I don't know if you followed Scott Stapp in recent years. <laughs> he's not, I know, I know he's pretty hip on the TikTok. Yeah. He's not super. Yeah. Well, and that's his resurgence right now. He never he's never struck me you know as deep as he tries to be through his music he's never struck me as the most intellectual guy. And Yeah, and, when he was talking about their music too mm-hmm. in the documentary I was like, okay. Yeah. But I, I think what he, I think what was the the attempt was we were trying to bring the two generations together, you know, trying to and 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 here's the thing, I appreciate that. And to me the problem is, and they kept saying, is no one was nostalgic for Woodstock 69 at that point. No one was nostalgic for anything at that time. Like, think about it, Steve. Like, you were obviously, you know, I was nine. So you were a bit older than I was. 22. But, yeah. See? You were 22. So it's just crazy that, like, at that time, if you liked anything, like, they even said it in the documentary. Like, even, like, um, Nirvana and Pearl Jam, like even they were like not like not in, interested in that. All right, well let's talk about why that is though, real quick with Pearl Jam. Because they're garbage. Well, not only well now careful. <laughs> let's not enrage everybody on this show, Kristen. <laughs> Sorry, I, I respect everyone's opinions. They're but, just garbage to my ears. But in 1999, Pearl Jam lost all cred. Oh yeah, your song that you were like, we gotta talk about it. Yeah, Pearl Jam lost all cred in because. My hat. Nope, it was um Like they did that cover song of that old 60s song about being in a wreck. Oh where oh where can my baby be? Like what is that, Creed? I mean, uh Pearl Jam? <laughs> I could, and literally, like trying to sound like it literally sounded like I did Black Hole Sun, right? Like the M. Right, like, that's right. Literally, how he's singing. Yes, it. like, and it's Stop. like it's like what is? And I remember when it dropped, and I remember it was such a big hit in '99. And I'm like, you know what? I never had a lot of love for Pearl Jam, but I never saw them as the band that would do something like this. Mm. And 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 it really, I didn't realize until today when I was going through kind of stuff and making picks, I didn't realize how um, irritated I still am by this song, you know? Because just the other day, no lie, just the other day I was doing some stuff and I'm like, you know what? I never gave Eddie Vedder enough credit for, you know, just kind of being a cool dude and 
and and I don't know what I, I I'd seen a friend who posted something or something, and so I pulled up some songs to listen to. I'm like, okay, you know what? Yeah, that does jam. Like that's got a good hook to it. That's got a good riff in there. It's not my favorite, but you know what? I don't need to dog on Pearl Jam. And then this comes around today, and I'm like, yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. I do because I feel like, look, it's one thing to be Eddie Vedder now as a father at a concert singing Frozen, you know, singing Let It Go in a show, and, you know, and it's cute and it's fun and that's all right. It, that's one thing. It's another thing to be Eddie Vedder a few years removed from Right, you know, it's to be doing to be doing covers of like, you know, bad pop songs from the 50s. I, it's just it's like what in what in the world, dude? You were you were a poser the whole time. Get him, Steve. But like again, like full circle, like touching back to like that point, like there was no nostalgia for anything. Right. So right. bringing out Robbie Krieger and playing the Star Spangled Banner on guitar it goes over people's heads. Yep. Yep. So uh, what is just uh, what a cluster. What a cluster. And, it, and like it is, it's two completely opposite sides of the coin. Cause like you said before, it's like, okay, well then that's what you have on the one side. You flip it over. You have Backstreet Boys, you have Cher, you have Britney Spears, mm-hmm. you have Christina Aguilera. It, it's like the bubblegum pop. Yeah. There was no, it was like no, in there was no middle ground. Like, and, and honestly, I almost the middle ground was like Creed and Creed is kind of the, 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 the proto, um, radio rock of the early 2000s like you know creed would give way to like a nickelback and a, the calling and all these other you know like early 2000s radio rock mm-hmm. people that that were played and 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 so that but there wasn't a there wasn't much of that so you couldn't have people who were like yeah i dig pop rock because there wasn't much pop rock going on yep um and and so yeah, it's just it's a weird, weird little era. They're from about ninety eight till about two thousand two or three. I think I told you that in a text earlier today. Like, yep. it's just to me, it it was a time, and it's so weird to think that there are people who do like to um, who look back on that and they is Eddie Vedder a scumbag? I didn't realize that. Um, uh, according to Matt Lane. Wow. <laughs> Okay, well, I have to check out the true story behind Jeremy. Oh, behind Jeremy. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that, uh, you know, it, 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 this was the culmination of everything that had been popular starting there in around 98 through 99 and a little bit beyond this, you know. And then and it really did begin to taper down, um, you know, a couple of years later. And not even a couple of years later. I mean, like the minute Kid Rock is singing country music, you know, and with Cheryl Crow, with Cheryl Crow, yeah. Um, you know, th- th- it it began to be a whole different world. Um, and I think for a lot of people, I don't know. Like I, the other thing, th- there was only one real thing outside of the Phantom Menace that came out in '99 that I absolutely say to this day is something I enjoy and like. Oh, and that is <clears throat> Kid Rock's performance. With Run DMC and Aerosmith at the 1999 MTV Music Video Awards, iconic VMAs to begin with, nine nine ninety nine, baby. Yep, yeah, and and they, <laughs> it was. I remember I was. I don't know why I was watching this because it's not something that I was. I just I've never been an MTV guy. 
very much, you know. And oh, especially especially in the TRL days and stuff, I just wasn't much into it. But for some reason, I was watching that night, and um, and I got to play a little bit of this here as, as he comes out. I'm the king of black, the run high. Sucker MCs should call me sire. To burn my kingdom, you must use fire. I won't stop rocking till I bleed dry. Now, see, that's Kid Rock doing Run DMC right there. Yeah. And and it's like, right this this performance that he gives because he's about to introduce Run DMC and then later Aerosmith will come out. To me, I'm like, okay, so Kid's got some. He he's kind of showing his roots here a little bit. He dug the hip hop of the day. He dug the rock and roll of the day, and that's where you get Kid Rock now. He's at this point. He was still a grungy, weird little jerk, you know. But, um, you know, should have been a cowboy and all that. But, like, you really kind of get from him the uh, the what what he was a pro- what his music is a product of. And um, but he still had that kind of weird 1999 edge to him and everything that I, that wasn't much. But I just love this whole performance. There, Run DMC's out on stage right now. And see, Kid has run off stage. He's not on stage right now. Because he's doing a wardrobe change of all things. I mean, and Run DMC was the original mashup of rock and hip-hop, by the way, you know? And this was the hit of the day. I mean, like, I appreciate showmanship in a big, bad way. And what's amazing to me when you watch this is kids out there, he's trying to be what he, you know, what everyone was trying to be at that time, you know, thinking they're all that. Run DMC is just doing it, you know? And then when Joe Perry and Steven Tyler bust through the wall and and come walking through the crowd, it's like... This is stage presence because Joe Perry doesn't give a duke. You know, he's nope. just he's just like I'm playing this riff and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna melt your face off with my guitar now. And and, and that's what made the VMAs so great back in the day. Yeah, like the VMAs, the performances. I mean, like iconic. Like if we just like quickly run down the list of like performers at that particular one. So obviously you had Kid Rock, Run DMC, mm-hmm. Aerosmith. Then you had Lauren Hill, Backstreet Boys, Ricky Martin, Nine Inch Nails, TLC, Fatboy Slim, Jay Z, Britney Spears, and NSYNC together, and then Eminem, Dr. Dre, and Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was it was a big it was a big show, and I remember a couple of years later was like the 25th anniversary or something, and I thought, oh, this is going to be amazing because I was thinking they'll do nostalgia acts and stuff, not a thing, not even an acknowledgement of the first original VMAs or anything, and I was just absolutely disgusted with it. And all the award shows now are just trash. Yeah, it's 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 uh. It's unfortunate, but man, I'm telling you, I, I remember watching that performance thinking, wow, I don't know that you get a better performance than this, than these See, people now together. I'm going to have to go back and like watch it in full now that you mentioned it. Like, I remember it. I can literally picture Kid Rock on stage, mm-hmm. like in the outfit. Yeah. But I'm going to have to go back and watch it. Yeah, it's it's good. And, you know, and of course, Kid Rock is kind of, Kid Rock stuck around like that little scuzz, you know, on the wall that you can never quite <laughs> get all the way off. and. And uh, Matt Lane 99 was a fun year. No, it wasn't, Matt. That's my whole point. I am irritated right now because we're doing the music of 1999. Have you noticed it's been like an hour and there's been no music yet? That's yeah. because Steve hates this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm I am host and producer, so um, so there you go. Well, I tell you what. I'm just going to get more irritated here. Let's just get into it and uh, and do this with Kristen's first pick. Also, I really hope it's the right version. Uh, this is just whatever's off the album. Oh, okay. It's going to be the wrong version then. I'm sorry. Well, what version do you want, Kristen? Uh, the stop remix, the version from the video. (laughs) Oh, well, let me, let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Because we'll get into it, but that was a big point of contention for me. Okay. They're very different. I mean, play the version I want and then play the version that you have and listen to how different it is. All right. Well, here we go. This is, this is. Open parentheses, you drive me, close parentheses, crazy. Open bracket, the stop remix, close bracket, remastered. Kristen, back in the day, <laughs> when I was in high school, I had friends that we I'd get in their truck and ride around with them, go places, and they would put on their country music. I had one friend at one time who thought he had bass that he could bump. And um, I just remember sitting there the whole drive just being miserable at what was coming into my ears. <laughs> That's immediately how I felt just then. Oh, so much so... Well- uh, so so much so that for comparison's sake only, I'm going to play the album version, and then you can tell me your deal. Yes. Oh, 
I just can't listen to her voice anymore. I'm sorry. Oh my god. I'm okay, sorry. Well, you know what? You just hush your mouth, okay? Okay. One free Britney. Thank you so much. Free, yes. So what's yeah, just... listen, I will get on board with that. Hashtag free Britney for sure. Hashtag free Britney. Okay, so here is why I picked this song. Like I said, there the, this number five spot, it's between like a, it was between a couple of different songs. Um but again, being a nine year old, like taking in like everything pop culture, like I was a TRL rat. I loved TRL. My dream was to go to the TRL studio and get into the studio one day. Never happened because now it doesn't exist. And when it did, it was awful. So, <laughs> so watch TRL every single day. Listen to the radio every single day. Always heard stuff like this, right? Like always heard the top 40. Um, this particular song, right? So in the music video, if you all remember back in the day, and if you've seen this video, um, Melissa Joan Hart and Adrian Grenier are in this music video. Oh. Yeah. So big deal for me as a Sabrina the Teenage Witch stan, like loved Sabrina, loved Clarissa Explains It All. Me and Melissa Joan Hart go way back. Um, so when she was in this video, I was like, oh my God, because I kind of like balked at Britney. I was like, nah, huh, huh. No, this isn't for me. Um, but then she was in this video and Adrian Grenier was in this video and he was beautiful. Um, so then I found out that they were coming out with a movie called Drive Me Crazy, which obviously I had to see. Mm. And it was so cheesy and great. And I own the DVD to this day and it's fabulous. Um, but this song is like such a freaking bop. And this song made me buy... Made me buy Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Mm. Now, much to my dismay, when I bought the record and the version of You Drive Me Crazy on the record did not sound anything like the music video version. Yeah, I gotcha. So thank God for Spotify all these years later. I could yeah. just be like, no, I don't want the version off that. I want the stop remix. Yeah. Um, and I will say that uh, when Britney Spears gets out of this conservatorship, if she ever tours ever again, I will be there. I will support her. You go, Britney. I mean, I guess on the album version, the beat at the beginning kind of slaps a little. But other than that, uh, it it get, it had a Millie Vanilli vibe to me, and so I'm down with that. You know, that's it my was. nostalgia. And then there's like this whole work, like leading up to the chorus. There's like a whole like pre-chorus, which is garbage. It's just bad. Like, no, the stop remix is where it's at. It's a bop. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. But I know you don't, so we can move on. But I just had to say that. Stan, Britney, free Britney. You go, girl. Well, my my number five pick is 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 an example of one of the reasons that I I didn't care for 1999. And and it's because um, uh, Counting Crows was starting to sound like they were happy, and that bothered me. Um, <laughs> but I will say, this is a bop that has been on the Big Honkin' Show before, and uh, and and you know, and, and so I guess you know if it if it's Big Honkin' Show worthy, then I, I can play it on Rock Out Loud. It's hanging around. I mean, you hear that overproduced messing sound.
Yes, I'm so good. These days get so long, and I got nothing to do. I've been hanging around this town corner. I've been bumming around this old town so long. I've been hanging around this town corner. I've been bumming around this old town for way too long. We I mean, like, look, I don't think for Counting Crows, if you want good old 90s angst, and shoegazing and and feeling bad about yourself even though things are pretty okay um you don't get better than august and everything after their first album um this this is more of that that culture of the day is like well, where you been just hanging around this old town just doing my thing really why don't you go write a happy song for shrek now oh he will he will and this is the path that begins it all. So not good. This, see, this is stuff I was never into. This was the closest. Again, like this is the closest to. We talked about there was no middle ground. This is the closest there was, and 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 it's counting crows. But it, you know, I'm sitting there listening. Like I recognize the voice, I recognize the harmonies, but there's just something about the sound that does not sound right. You yeah. know, and and but I again I dig the jam, I dig the beat, and it has been on the Big Honkin' show several many times. So I you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know who I forgot about? The Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, how could you? I don't know. Forgot about the Goo Goo Dolls. And uh but you didn't, Kristen. No, I thought you were gonna see I didn't pick the big low hanging fruit for Goo Goo Dolls because I thought you were gonna You talking about that. Iris? No, I'm oh. talking about Black Balloon because Iris was 98. What? Well, which one was Black Balloon? I don't remember Black Balloon. Baby's Black Balloon makes her fly. Oh yeah, whole... yeah. No, I didn't like that song. Oh, I love that. I didn't song. like it. I did. It, I felt like listen. That and Iris were really played out to me. I was uh, like, there's a reason I haven't heard them. Hadn't heard like this album or anything from this album since you know 1999. Basically, this is dizzy though. I mean that hits pretty good, you know. Like, it's, it's a, so good. The, gosh, I, you know, just their voices and everything really do take me back to 1999, and I <laughs> and I just feel like I got a shower. Like, oh, they were clean. They had the good hair. Well, yeah, Johnny yeah. was. Johnny was. Well, look, I, I gotta say, I, I'm not gonna hate on the Goo Goo Dolls all that much. I, I. I do think like Iris and and Black Balloon were played out. Baby Black Balloon's got me like I gotta what hear it now. Slide everything on the Oh, why out. don't Iris you slide? slide? I hated Broadway. slide. I hated slide. Oh, 
Steve. Because like I don't even know you. Because I got so tired of it. Like you couldn't turn on a radio station and that not be playing. I like have vivid memories of going to the flea market to buy Beanie Babies in 1999. <laughs> oh my god! Listening gosh. to Iris. Oh, bless your little child heart. Bless <laughs> and your heart. Ranking Iris. Oh, which ones were you chasing down, Kristen? Oh my god! Well, okay. So at the flea market, there was a bunch of people that sold Beanie Babies, but we had yeah. two guys that we really, really liked. I liked all the dragons, so I, I still have. Oh, I don't even know. I just know one had like white iridescent wings and one mm-hmm. had brown iridescent wings. My dad still says we have the Princess Diana one. And I'm like, Dad, I really don't think we do. But he's convinced it's upstairs. Um, mm. So, yes, I have very vivid memories of oh. Goo Goo Dolls in this time connected to Beanie Babies. Kristen, I want to ask you something. As a nine-year-old child, did you have the, the big curly hair? Um, I did at, at nine. Yeah, I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't gotten my hands on a straightener yet. Okay, so so it was. So you were you were walking into the flea market, hair banging like you uh-huh. like it, looking for being. That is the preciousest thing. Yep, going with Angie and Bill and my dad. And my dad would always barter, right? Like, I remember yeah. he would go up to, like, the one guy at the stand. He'd be like, well, the guy over there has this for, like, $20. And you have it for 35 when the other guy didn't have it for 20 Right. But, like, there was always a bartering. Sure, it's um, the flea market. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you guys do the McDonald's run when they had the teeny beanies? We did do the McDonald's run when they had the teeny beanies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were very into beanie babies. And, like I said, we still have them they're still in this house there some of them are in cases some of the more expensive ones at the time they're in cases um yeah so hi i was a child in 1999 Chris, but Kristen, i am sending you a picture right now <laughs> oh god of the uh of the of the chain off of my fan uh, off my ceiling fan here in the office and um and what and what is hanging at the end of it there so let me know if you see that come through for you. Okay. Well, um, did you did you text it? Did you? I did text it. Yeah, I sent it. I sent oh, it via okay. the text message. Yeah. Oh, I just got it. I just got yes. it. Hang on. Stand by. <laughs> oh my god! Look at it! It's the teeny beeny bongo, the <gasps> monkey. Yeah. I I remember I loved the otter because the otter's tail was so soft. I'm sorry, I didn't know there was a beanie baby otter. There was a Beanie Baby Otter. Mm. I forget his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was working at McDonald's uh, for one of the years of the Teeny Beanies. and um, Did anyone try to bribe you? No, no. But it oh. was like, it was so funny to watch these people come through and be like, who you got today? Who you got today? Um, and so I did have the manager hold me out, the, the bongo, because I like monkeys. I don't want to have a monkey, but I like looking at them. And yep. um, okay. and so I found a regular size bongo, normal beanie, and then remember they had the big beanies, the giant beanie babies. No, they, they came out with some giant beanie babies. I say giant; they were like the normal size of like a normal plushie, a normal a normal stuffed animal size. Okay. And so okay. I got I got the big bongo. She like got me the big bongo for like Christmas or something. My boss did. She was you know by that time she liked me. Um, <laughs> because because I'd come into work when she'd call at seven o'clock on Saturday mornings. Um, and so, yeah, so I've got a few Beanie Babies around. I, I have a weird, not obsession, but a weird relationship with stuffed animals. Okay. I like stuffed animals, but I don't want to have any, you know, necessarily. 
Um, but anytime there's like a display of stuffed animals or something, I have to go look through them and just be, you know, like it's a weird thing. I'm weird like that. My Lord. But I want to tell you something. I just, I just imagine really what I'm imagining is just tiny, a tinier version of just you Uh just walking into a flea market, just as excited about finding the beanie baby you were looking for as you are about a Bruce Springsteen concert today. Yeah, man. Every Saturday. That's awesome. Every Saturday we went to the flea market for some Beanie Bee. That's awesome. That is so funny. I got to hear Black Balloon. I, I remember it, but I don't. No, I do. Yeah. Oh, so great. Is it? Yes. And they're so good live. Are they? I mean, when I saw them open for Bon Jovi, yes. Here comes the guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally, I totally remember this. Baby's black balloon makes a fly. Yeah. All right. Oh, <laughs> I remember. Also, before we move on from Dizzy, I just want to say really quick, another yeah. music video that stars uh, Shannon Sossaman. She was a very popular music video girl. She was also in the number one song of 1999's music video, Believe by Cher. Or no, she wasn't in Believe. She was in Strong Enough. My bad, my bad. That was 98. But she was still a popular music video girl. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was going to have to do my share again. Do you believe in love after love? I mean, do Strong Enough, Steve. Come on. That's the better song. Cher Strong Enough? Yes. I don't remember Strong Enough, Kristen. Steve, oh my God. It's literally her best song of the 90s. Uh, that's not it's hard. Defiant, it's her defiant song. Oh. I remember Strong Enough by Sheryl Crow. No, 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 no. Sheryl Crow wishes that she did Strong Enough by Cher. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't remember this at all. You got to like skip ahead a little bit Nothing to get to the book. Nothing you can say or do for me. me? And I hear your real <laughs> It's Cher. We are playing Cher on Rock Out Loud. <laughs> you gotta get was to the chorus. It's coming up. It? Was she worth it? Here we go. Oh, strong enough to live without you. Strong enough. It's so good. I gotta tell you straight up, I don't remember that song at all. At like, all. Seriously, Steve, love it. And honestly, you haven't lived until you've gone to like a gay bar where there's a drag show happening and a drag queen is singing strong enough with you and you're just having the time of your life. Oh, it's so great. Mm. Me and Angie had a choreographed dance to strong enough. Fun fact. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I, you know what? You, you were safe. You said it was the greatest share song of the 90s. And I was I was about to have to call you out, but I just looked, and sure enough, if I could turn back time, was eighty nine. So you just, <laughs> I will allow it, but you know, had turned back time been that nineteen ninety, I'd have been like, wait a minute now, if I could turn back time. So oh, good. heart of stone. Oh, love share share. Uh, by the way, not to divulge into a rock and hall of fame thing, but share uh, should be in the rock and hall of fame. If we're allowing all these other people, share should be in there. It shouldn't even be a, like an option. Should it like, just be share or sunny and share? No, share, okay. share, all right, share, 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 share. All right, gypsies, on fields, half breed. Oh, so good. <laughs> love share, love share. 
Oh my gosh! <laughs> Just say, see, this is what happens when we talk 1999. <laughs> that was so. That was that was we got we got there from Dizzy by Goo Goo Dolls, by the way. <laughs> so, um, listen, I will say one of the greatest things that came out in 1999. I've already said it was the Phantom Menace. So there's some people who disagree with me, but I loved it. I was super excited when that movie dropped. Leading up to that film, Lucasfilm actually put out a music video uh, to John Williams' uh, music, Duel of the Fates. And I remember thinking, I don't know that it'll ever get better than this. This is Duel of the Fates by John Williams. Take that, Britney Spears. Now listen, has Disney ruined Star Wars the way that John Sher ruined Ru- Woodstock? Maybe. Who knows? You know, that's a discussion we can have. But this is when it was pure. This is when George Lucas was just throwing his imagination at the screen and whatever came out we had to deal with and like it or lump it. And I gotta tell you something, I liked it. And then as I think about the 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 devil himself, Darth Maul, the door opening up. Come on, Chris, you know that's your favorite Star Wars character, Darth Maul. Sure. Sure. <laughs> And it's Qui-Gon Jinn, and Obi-Wan fought him, and you got these trumpets playing and everything. The video was cool because it was like behind-the-scenes stuff, but it was also like footage from the movie and everything. It was so exciting. And then it just busts out like, bum, 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 bum. So I, I... This is like when we played Mozart. Uh, it was. It is kind of <laughs> like when we played Mozart, only it's John Williams. Now, wait a minute. When I said Darth Maul, your favorite Star Wars, you just kind of like, yeah, sure. Yeah, because Steve, I honestly, I've only seen like the first three Star Wars. <laughs> you know what? That's fine. That's okay. I'm not like look. And by first three, I mean four, five, and six. I know exactly what you meant. I there was no question on my end well, what I you just, meant. I just had to prove that I'm not a total idiot. I just no. I've never seen any of the prequels or anything since. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just saying that you need to. No, okay, is Darth Maul the one that he has, like, a red face with black marks yes, all over it? Yes, and red eyes? Yes, okay. yes. See, but I know, I know who that is. Sure you do, of course you do. He's <laughs> iconic. I'm just telling you straight up, like, if you if you can, oh, all right, Kristen, when are you coming to North Georgia so we can all just watch Star Wars? <laughs> I know, we have to make this happen, Steve. We've been doing this podcast for how long? We have to meet. Because you're going to be at once, like... Who is this stupid little kid, and why am I worried about him? Bring back the red man. Bring back Darth Maul. Sand. I know there's a a whole monologue about sand. Well, it's not a monologue. It's it's a line. It's just a line about sand, and it is. And you're going to be like, what is this stupid love story, and why am I so invested in it? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. But if you can get to Revenge of the Sith, you'll be like, well, that's pretty metal. Um. (laughs) Because as a man lay. You know, armless and legless on the side of a lava river, bursting into flames. That's pretty metal right there. Yelling, That is pretty metal. Yelling, I hate you. That's pretty metal. So. (laughs) I mean, dude, I'm in the minority. You know, most people, especially that listen to all of your shows, Steve. Right. Star Wars people. So I'm like totally in the minority. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's fine. Like, here's the thing. Like, I'm not one of those people that freak out when it's like, you've never seen this. 
You know, if I, I said I'd never seen any Star Wars, would you have freaked out a little? I wouldn't have freaked. Bit? I wouldn't have freaked out. I would have been like, "How'd you get out alive for that?" But to me, it's always strange when someone hasn't seen any Star Wars because okay. it's just such a part of the pop culture. But it's nothing to be mad about or freak out about. You know, like why? Why freak out about that? It's just it hasn't been in your in on your radar, and that's fine. You know. I was too busy listening to like you know Britney Spears. Now see, see, then you're poking the bear. You're like you could have listened to Britney Spears on the way to the theater. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what movies was. Sp- Wait a minute, hang on. Was Spice World in 1999? Sp- Google was Spice World. That. All right, movies of 1999. Here we go. Oh, it was 1998. Dang. Uh, Cruel Intentions. Oh, I love. I didn't know it was a great year. I think 10 Things I Hate About You, my favorite rom-com ever, was in that. Uh, Varsity Blues was 99. Okay. Was Var- I didn't know that. I would have played, there goes my hero. But did it? was it released in 1999 or was it released in 98? Um, 99. No, I know. Oh, the was song. the song released? I think the song would have been released on the soundtrack in 99, wouldn't it have been? Yeah, but on the original song. Okay. On the original record. All right. Well, The Sixth Sense... Okay, uh, yeah. The Matrix. Yeah. American Beauty. Oh, love that. Cruel in- did I say Cruel Intentions already? You did. Love it. Boondock Saints. The Matrix. Did I say The Matrix? Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah, buddy. Also, um, I'm sorry. Wait. Oh, okay. Oh, I saw Mark Hamill's comment come up in the chat, and I thought he said that Ten Things I Hate About You was a D+. Plus. And I almost lost my mind. Oh, no, it's, it's on, on Disney it's Plus. It's on Disney Plus. And it holds up. I was going to be like, yo, Mark. You oh, and I, the Blair Witch? The, the Blair Witch was 99. Don't bring that up. It's too. Oh. Uh, it's dark. Don't, I won't talk about it. It's dark outside. I was so scared. Uh, Deep Blue Sea was 99. Oh, love that. That was like. Uh, I remember. Be crazy by Melissa Joan Hart and Andrew and Grenier was 99. Did, uh, American Pie. Oh, uh, Jawbreaker. That seems like oh, it'd be right up your alley. I, I love Jawbreaker so much. Yeah. I killed Liz. I killed the Teen Dream. Deal with it. Um. Yeah. So that's uh, that's some '99 movies from different eras and different people. Uh, Office Space was a good one. That's a funny one. There, yep. There you go. Uh, I love Office Space. Touch my stapler. Oh, Big Daddy. Adam Sandler's <gasps> Big Daddy. Yeah. Love. Yeah. Love Big Daddy. It's got that uh, Cheryl Crow cover. Isn't it Cheryl Crow cover of uh, Sweet oh, Child of Mine? Sweet Child of Mine, yeah. yeah. It also has Growing Up by Bruce Springsteen. Yep, yep. Uh, Galaxy Quest. A lot of people like Galaxy Quest was 99. And Muppets from Space. So. Okay. There you go. And, of course, the fan, the aforementioned Phantom Menace. Well, obviously. It, it was a de- You know what? 99 was a decent year for movies. Sleepy Hollow. Is that up your alley? Yep, Detroit Rock City as well. Was I'm De- looking now. Oh, okay, the yeah. Mummy, the Mummy. Did I not say the Mummy? Oh, I didn't hear it. Okay. <laughs> Man, Brandon oh, Fraser. Hey, never Brand- been kissed. I said she's all that, didn't I? You did, but I saw Never Been Kissed. Okay, and I yeah, died. yeah. I love that movie. Uh, James Bond had a movie out that year. Mystery Men, I think, is one that people still dig to this day. Message in a Bottle. There's one for all you uh, Nicholas Sparks people. Oh, yeah. Lake Placid as well. Lake Placid. Betty White. What a movie. (laughs) Runaway Bride. 
on the Disney side of things, Tarzan was 99. I was way out of Disney by that point. At nine years old? Oh, yeah. I was out. Like I think the last Disney movie that I saw was uh, The Lion King in, in 95. Kristen, you can't on one hand say I was going to the flea market to get Beanie Babies and say I was way out of Disney. I know. I was. Because I, I just didn't, like, I didn't see any of that. I didn't care mm. about any of that. You know what? I liked Nickelodeon. I hear you. Okay. You Love were, Nickelodeon. You were a Love Nickelodeon Nick- kid. Rugrats and all that mess. Rugrats, Salute Your Shorts, Hey Arnold, Ah Real mm-hmm. Monsters. Yes, all of it. Notting Hill was 99. <gasps> my, one of my favorite rom-coms ever. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, oh, The Green Mile. Yeah, The Green Mile. Walk in the mile, walk in the green mile. Ugh. I'm tired, boss. It's like coffee. Like the drink, only it's coffee. Like the drink, only not spelt the same. The man the, on the moon. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Now we're just naming movies. All right. Anyhow, okay. <laughs> so back to the list. And look, I look. I've never told you this, Kristen. Uh huh. I'll tell you this. Well, this is your next pick. It's um, Marilyn Manson. I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me. Yep. Go ahead, Kristen. Okay, so I know that Marilyn Manson now is like a controversial topic yeah. um, for some. Now, but, now he is. Not then he wasn't. Uh, I feel like he always was. Right. But now it's like, okay. <laughs> um, however, now what I was saying before, I, well, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I, Steve, you and I talked about it, how like in, in this time, like I didn't really like anything that was kind of going on. Like, yeah, I had Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Yeah, I watched TRL all the time and, you know, Top 40. So I heard, like, you know, Corn, Limp Bizkit, like, all this stuff I was aware of. But I didn't really like anything. Um, then I saw The Dope Show by Marilyn Manson on MTV. Mm. And I loved it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the makeup the hair, the outfit. I was like, yo, I love this. So uh, the Dope Show, unfortunately, was released in 1998. And, you know, or yeah, that was 1998. So couldn't pick that. But uh, Off Mechanical Animals, I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me. 
was released in 1999 as a single. So I just love it. I love this era of Marilyn Manson. This is what he was kind of going through his David Bowie phase where he wanted to kind of be like his version of Ziggy Stardust and glam metal. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And like I said, this was when like this came out and this stuff came out and it was on TRL. I was like, hmm, uh, what's this? Because I like it. And that was me at nine years old. And I can't believe that uh, my mother was okay with that. Because <laughs> she was like one of those, like, I pretend to be religious people. Um, mm. But I'm not. I never go to church ever. And I'm a fraud. Um, but I couldn't believe like She was totally cool with me being into it. And, like, bought me Marilyn Manson albums and would listen to Marilyn Manson in the car with me. So that was kind of nice. But yeah. So out of all of this stuff, out of like all the rock, Marilyn Manson was like where I lived in terms of like until emo happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's the thing. And, and I, I'm not saying this to be provocative or to provoke you in any way. If Marilyn Manson never had a career, I would never have missed the music of Marilyn Manson. Like Aww. I just, yeah, I, I'm just as indifferent to him as a person can be to an artist. And I know that's hateful and I don't mean to be dismissive necessarily, but it's just, he's never been in my wheelhouse. I've never that's gotten, fair. I've never gotten it. You know what I mean? So not everyone's cup of tea, right. but yes, with that said, I don't like the drugs, but the drugs like me is on my list. Also coming from somebody that's never done a drug in their life. Proud to say it. Straight so. edge. <laughs> so I'm just, yeah, 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 yeah. Straight edge. So um, I'm just, you know, People sometimes put, especially like the music I listen to, like the 80s music and all that, you know, people sometimes like to put, you know, a stereotype on you. And I'm right. just proud to say, even though I picked a song called uh, or called very blatantly, you know, it's titled about drugs, never done one in my life. So There you go. Good. Good on you, Kristen. Thank you. Way to say no. Never even smoked a cigarette and didn't drink until I was 21. I'll be darned. <laughs> That's why I got to go out and do all the fun things and go to shows by myself when I was 16 and meet the bands after. That's why. <laughs> Don't take drugs. I was a good kid. Yeah. Don't take drugs. <laughs> yes, mother. All right. Yeah, I was glad that this one was on here, by the way, that this was in 99, because I also feel like, I feel like this is a legit kind of bright spot for me musically in 99, because... He was a dude, Lenny Kravitz was a dude who I feel like was kind of doing rock and roll kind of right. There was a little bit of over bit overproduction in some of his stuff, and there is here too, you know, but it's more like some mic effects and stuff. Um, and, and you know, I've seen some, we've watched some videos and stuff in the past with him on the streets of New Orleans and, you know, walking up on a choir and getting into it with him and everything and having a good time. He just seems like a real cool laid back dude. For the most part. So uh, this is his cover of American Woman from 1999. Mm. I got my 
So yeah, I mean, I like, I dig Lenny Kravitz, I think, for the most part. Um, I, I like the cut of his jib, as they say. And um, <laughs> I feel like we always say we should do a Lenny Kravitz episode. Well, I, I, but I also feel like I should listen to more of his stuff, because I don't know that I know a I, you remember when Tom Petty died, God rest his soul? Yes. Um, and we were talking about him, and it's like, I was surprised at how much Tom Petty I knew. I think Lenny Kravitz is almost the same way. If I think if I start to kind of listen, I'm like, oh, yeah, that song. Oh, yeah, that song. But right now, all I can think of is this, and um, uh, I want to get away. Get away. But I know he I know He also has that really, really, uh, you know, I mean, that great song again. <laughs> With that great music video. <laughs> I don't know. Don't watch it with children in the room, everybody. <laughs> and then he has that, um, that like, it ain't over till it's over. That's also Lenny Kravitz. That's right. Is that Lenny? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Are you going to go my way? Yeah. See Mark Are you going to go, go my way? way? Yes. Yep. 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 See, so I think there's some stuff I know of his that, that I'd be surprised, but I, I I haven't. There's nothing I've heard of him like that. I'm offended by. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like mad at anything that he plays. So, um, and this was something. I mean, like he really slaps like and in a and in a time of no nostalgia, to cover the Guess Who, you know, was a real cool move. Wasn't this for an Austin Powers movie? It was in an Austin Powers movie. I don't know if it was for the Austin Powers movie. Okay, because I know that Heather Graham was in the music video, and I remember then I it wanted... Was, then, yes, it was specifically for the Austin Powers movie. Yeah, I wanted her outfit. I was like, oh, I want to look like her. Yeah, the spy <laughs> the spy who shagged me, the second Austin Powers outing. There we go. <laughs> Which, you know, that, that, that series of movies has gotten a nice little resurgence thanks to Jeff Bezos. But again... I'll leave that to everyone's own research and everything as to why. Nineteen ninety nine. The rabbit holes you could fall down. Indeed, indeed. Um, wow, this is one, Kristen. When I when I queued it up, when I was going through your list and getting the playlist put together, this next song is one. It's like, oh my gosh, uh, this is something I'd forgotten completely about. Same, but. <laughs> But full disclosure, I actually like. This is uh filter. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is filter. Take a picture.
yeah, I, I dig this song. I think it's got a good groove. I like kind of the the acousticness to it and everything. And, you know, it, it, there's something about it I just dig. It also reminds me of some other songs that I can't put my finger on. It's like one of those things where it's like, I can kind of taste what this reminds me of and the song this reminds me of, but I can't quite get there yet. So that you saying that perfectly leads into what I was going to say about the song was to me like, yeah, I get it. 1999 like is nostalgia. Right. But to me, this song sounds like nostalgia and like sounds like reminiscing, you know, like the the movie that um, I first like discovered this song in really is in uh, The Girl Next Door Mm. and it's used in like a montage sequence in that movie and I feel like that's what like this song is meant to be used in like a montage of your life like in the movie of your life this this is a song that plays Mm. um and like I there I also have another uh, like a slightly sadder uh story about this song so (laughs) like I was in I think fourth grade in 99 um so when I was in sixth grade and we had a sixth grade dance, I explicitly remember going to the dance and this song was played. And this is when like the slow dance happened. And I remember like all the girls around me got asked to dance. And like, I was like oh, standing no. there by myself to this oh, song. Man. <laughs> oh man. So there you go. I mean, it's slightly scarring. I've never been asked to dance at a dance. I've never had a nobody puts baby in a corner moment. Mm. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> the song was good at least. <laughs> Do you, when you, that's, I just want to move on from that because let's not relive childhood traumas. <laughs> we've, we've talked about sexual assault and racism on this show tonight. Let's not, let's not get into childhood trauma as well. <laughs> 999? <laughs> Thank you, 1999. For all that you've given us, um, do you, when you say this song st- sounds nostalgic, is there a song that you can think of that it sounds like? No, not not like off the top, like on right. the spot. Yeah, but like that might be my homework after this show. Like mm-hmm. I will, like that'll be my mission. Like yeah. by this weekend, I will tell you what this song right. sounds. Well, like. my thing is, I know it's out there. I know that I like. It's one of those things like, oh, if I could just catch the lyric or if I could just catch a a, a bar or something of, of that song that reminds me, but I can't. I, and maybe that's been how, now Mark Hamill says, little known fact, Nickelback's photograph is the sequel to this song. Oh, so. God. <laughs> Look at this photograph, yeah. Every time I do it makes me laugh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I'm uh, the, the, all right. Look, if there's anything good that came out of 1999, yes! you know, it's it's this. Let's be honest. Let's just thank thank the rock gods for someone like Santana.
Forget about it. I mean, come on. Ugh. Santana makes it talk. Iconic. Rob Thomas makes it sing, and it's just some good stuff. I mean, we make no mis- we make no bones about it. We are Rob Thomas stands <laughs> on this show. Love, love, love. Also, fun Rob Thomas fact. Uh, the other day, it was the six year anniversary of me being in his one shot music video. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> that came up in my uh, time hop, and I was like, oh, my God, yay. Um, but, okay, so obviously, I mean, the one thing I think of when I think of Smooth is how literally you, this song was unescapable in 1999. Yep, like, yep. you had the radio on, like, you know, we would play out in the pool or the lagoon in the summertime, and guess what? All you heard yep. was Smooth. Yeah. And, like, Andrea, Angie, Bill hate this song really so because it much. because it was overplayed yep like if somebody like i remember me and andrea we were watching a show and they were like oh do you know your best friend and it was like name something your best friend hates and i turned to andrea and i went smooth by satana and robbed <laughs> nice because she just like despises it that and bittersweet symphony by the verve mm. um and i'm just like girl no this is my jam and like Every time I see Rob and he plays it, like, I love that he always does it differently. Like, I think I've only seen him do it as, like, a full band version once. Like, he always kind of does it, like, a little bit jazzy. Yeah. Like, there's always, like, a different vibe to it. Because he's like, I know, it's overplayed. It's ridiculous. I don't know how that happened, but it did. I'm happy about it, mm-hmm. but I'm sorry that it was overplayed. Yeah. So he's, like, in on the joke, which, I mean, that is that is Rob Because it was overplayed because it was good. Because you had oh. Santana tearing that guitar up like he can. And you had Rob Thomas coming over with those lyrics and everything. And, you know, honestly, like, Santana is, he's one of those that spans the generations. And it's because of his guitar abilities and everything. Um, and has such a sound. Like, yeah, oh, this yeah. is Santana. And now I'm like looking at some of this stuff and I'm like, I need to go back and listen to that. I need to go back and listen to that. And uh, <laughs> and hear what this is and hear this thing here. And, and what about like on, on this album that this song comes from, Supernatural, um, he's got a duet with Eric Clapton going. Oh. I'm sorry. You telling me two of the greatest guitarists in the whole world? Meltdown. Meltdown. I mean, like, yeah, that's got to be some of the bluesiest... The, the the Spanish guitar mixed with the blues guitar? Come on, now. <laughs> I don't even know if the song's any good, but I can't imagine it's not. Isn't this... I think Supernatural. That's also the album. Does he have a song with the guy from The Calling on that? Or was that another album? Because there was another one with Michelle Branch. Who is the guy... What's the guy from The Calling's name? I feel like his name was Alex something. If nope. it's Alex, I'm going to die. No, you've got uh, Everlast is on here. Math- Dave Matthews is on this one. Lauren, I hate myself. His name was Alex Band. Lauren Jesus. Hill. Um, he's probably on the one with... That came after? Yeah, with like Chad Kroger. Probably, yes. Shaman, 2002. Yep. Let me see. I'm looking here. Um, I don't see him on here. I'm looking at it. On Shaman? Yeah. So why don't you and I? Oh, that's Chad Kroger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Alex Santana featuring Alex Band, Why Don't You and I? Huh. Santana Alex Band, Why Don't You and I? Okay. What? Oh, if this says alt version, maybe it's an alternative. Maybe it's like an alt version. Chad Kruger is like the famous one. Okay. Well, that's the one that's on the album that I've got here on Amazon Music. Okay. So I don't I, I don't know about the other. Because I know he and Chad Kroger did Into the Night. Uh, there, okay. Yeah. So the alternate version is with Alex Band. Okay. I don't know that one. That's also the, the Game of Love. That was another big one off that album with Michelle Branch. Hmm. I don't know that one. Oh, if you if you played the chorus, I think you'd know it. The Game of Love? Yeah. Let's see. Michelle Branch, is she? Because you're everywhere to me. That's Michelle Branch. I don't know that one. <laughs> Smooth jazz tonight on the <laughs> quiet thunder that is rock out loud. You gotta get to the chorus before you'll know what it is. No idea, Kristen. Are you serious? As a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. See, Matt Lane. This song got overplayed too. Yes. I never heard it. See, I was not listening to a lot of uh, radio at the time. Just it was not. A lot of this stuff wasn't on my radar, but Smooth was. Um, I mean, that was on. You couldn't get right. You you couldn't get away from it. You couldn't get away from it. Um. All right. Blink One Eighty Two. Have we ever played Blink One Eighty Two on the show? I feel like we might have mm-hmm. um, once, maybe. And it might have been this song, actually. Might have been Adam's song? Yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> okay. Well, neither do I. That's fine. And there's my good emo friend, Kristen, coming to I play. I was just going to say, <laughs> I mean, I was never a huge Blink-182 person. Right. Like, they were never one of my favorite bands. Not even all the but, small things? Yeah, like, all the small things, like, that that sort of stuff. What's my age again? Mm-hmm. Um, but I always loved this song. And this was, like, the gateway to emo. Like, this yeah. is the gateway to, like, everything yep. 
that I would go on to love. I mean, literally, basically until this day. Um, but just like again, you have like the, the iconic, you know. Uh, remember the time that I spilled the cup of apple juice in the hall? Please tell mom this is not her fault. <laughs> it's just Mm. it's so melodramatic um but like a like such a great song and like i said like i was never a huge blink person like i remember when blink 182 broke up i was at my one like at the time my best friend's house and she loved blink 182 like lived and died with blink 182 and when they announced that they were going on hiatus, like you would have thought mm. it was like that episode of TRL when the Backstreet Boys announced that AJ is going to rehab. Like it was like that. Like, she was like inconsolable. Wow. Um, but I mean, they were massive. And again, talking about like nothing really connecting with me in 99. Again, yeah. it's like, OK, well, here here we start laying like the groundwork for everything that I would That's, fall in love with. I mean, in a, in a, in a lot of ways, Chris, and that's so true. That yeah. is so true. That's funny. That is awesome. Well, speaking of you being inconsolable. Oh, oh <laughs> You hush. You hush and listen. You enjoy it. You be inspired. Steve loves Creed. What can I say? Yes, you do. Look, I want to say something. I I know that it's not cool to like Creed. You know, I mean, I guess it is now on TikTok or whatever um, to secretly like Creed. I get that. But everyone liked Creed in 1999. There's a reason that they were selling records and stuff. That something connected. They were like a one positive light in the midst of all the negativity and the nastiness, you know. And poor dude had to go off the deep end and just go slap crazy, didn't he? Um, yeah. But I mean, crash and burned, right? Yeah, oh, bad. Yeah, bad. Like he, like there was a period of time. I think it was as as late as as recently as like two or three years ago, where like he was saying that the government was out to get. Like I think he had to get on some meds. I think he went. He had a break with reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which you know, not making fun of that in any way. You know, uh, you know, we don't want to do that, but, um, but it's almost like it's weird because when you see, when you hear these songs that they were writing and the things they were singing, 
there is almost a there's a weird self-importance trying to be a little bit spiritually trans transcendent, you know. Yes. Um, and Very, and yes. he and you know he do those poses and have his foot up on the monitor and. But I tell you what, in 1999, I envied Scott Stapp's hair. I thought he had a great head of hair. <laughs> I mean, he did. He did. Yeah, yeah. And I and I still like look. They they hit a bridge on this song, Christy. You know where that kind of up high and it just and then when oh, it yeah. kicks back uh, in, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just like I'm there. I'm so there for that. And then when they followed it up with weathered and. And um and that one song that's the big TikTok song apparently where um when you are with me, me yeah I'm uh, free I made I, we were doing and when I, I was a youth pastor at that time and uh, we were doing a study on some things and I was using Lord of the Rings as kind of like an illustration for the whole of the study for the Bible study okay and so I made these videos. Of like, cause by that time the three had all come out, and and so I was editing together videos of like different aspects of those stories to kind of play into what we were talking about, and so we were talking about friendship, and I used Sam and Frodo, and I used that song when you are with, and so <laughs> so it kind of you know it it fade that song fades out a little bit, and I cut to Sam and Frodo on the side of the mountain, you know, and he's like I can't carry you, but I can't carry. I can't carry it, but I can carry you, you know? And he's like, throws him on his shoulder, then it's, when you... And then it hits that big moment. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm the coolest youth pastor ever. <laughs> I love it. So. You know what's funny, Steve? I actually had two Creed moments on my vacation in L.A. Do you want Shut me... Do you want to hear? <laughs> I sure do. Well, one was me and Andrea talking about, like, I don't even know how... like. Creed might have been on the radio or something but we started talking about Creed um and she was like oh my god I one time I drove with my friend all the way to Hershey PA like when the song was like a big thing and it was just like two hours straight of Creed and mm. it, it was the same album over and over oh, and over wow, again yeah. so we were laughing about that and obviously doing our best Scott Stapp impersonation um and then also when we were in LA again the tour guide that we were with he's worked with a lot of bands as like you know a stage manager and like all this sort of stuff. So yeah. we were asking him, we were like, all right, so who were, who were the jerks? Who was like, who was the worst of the worst? Creed. And he said, Scott Stapp. Yeah. Not even Creed. He just said, Scott Stapp. And yeah. I said, when he was like a raging alcoholic and he went, yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. unfortunate, you know, because I've also heard he's just a sweet guy now, you know, like I, it's just. Right. It's like, you'll always have that. Yeah. That, you know, oh, yeah, when he was a raging alcoholic, like, that's your, imp like, lasting impression. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Yeah. But, I mean, you think about what spins out of Creed is, like, you know, Mark Tremonti, who is considered a great, you know, guitarist and, and Alter Bridge and, you know, with Miles say, Kennedy and stuff. And your boy, Miles Kennedy. My boy, Miles Kennedy, man. And and all, it's funny to listen to, like, the first Alter Bridge album because you can kind of see you can kind of get a sense of okay well this was more written for creed you know like they they still had a little bit of that creed on them mm -hmm. and uh what you know which for me is fine but man i i tell you it there're just some things you wouldn't have if you wouldn't have creed if it didn't have creed um <laughs> <laughs> and see 
Steve, I feel like um, Creed coming back and uh, to like you know the whole TikTok trend and yeah. all this stuff. I feel like you are finally getting your vindication, which I'm I'm happy about. You but, know, we, but you know we, what? We've here's you for a long time. Sure, You've been a good sport. <laughs> but here's the thing: like you go back to that first Creed album, and the song that hit big off of that was "My Own Prison." Yes. You know, and that's all about a dude going to hell for crying out loud. Which, what's the chorus of, what is the chorus of that? Um, I don't, it's been so long since I've listened oh. to my own prison. Um, I'll have to find it because it'll drive me crazy. I understand. Well, give me a minute and I'll get there for you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just give me a second. I can just click and go right here. Also, while he's looking that up, just saying, we talked about Woodstock 99 earlier. There's actually a podcast on Spotify and probably all of your other things, but I only really use Spotify. That's called Podcast 99 that interviews people from Woodstock 99, like attendees. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Here it is. The wall's cold and pale, the cage made of steel. Screams fill. Uh, take it longer to get to the course than I thought they did. I know, geez. <laughs> yeah. It's a great story, Scott. Get there. <laughs> but I mean, this is pretty, I mean, it's pretty oh, metal. Oh, this is that I should have been there on a, a dead on a Sunday morning banging my head. Right. But they have this pre chorus and everything. Yeah. But you can skip ahead a little bit. Should have been dead on a Sunday morning, banging my head. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I think this is coming up. Well, we got a got a guitar song. It's like another verse, I think. It's, I'm looking at the lyrics. Oh my gosh. Anyhow, sorry, I can't get there. Should have been dead on a Sunday morning banging my head. Killed it. Steve did better than Scott Sapp. Well, I wouldn't go there. Um, <laughs> the, but yeah, they... Uh, wow, what is this? Oh, a retrospective. Okay. Uh, they. I did have their 2009 album that didn't really hit too big called Full Circle. It's actually pretty good. But that's. Really? But then after that, he went slap crazy. Yeah, they'd gotten back together and gotten in the... Um, gotten in the... In the uh, in the thing, but it's also, I mean, it's also Creed, you know what I mean? Like it, it's still Creed, but, but it has a little bit of a different sound. There's a little bit more acoustic work to it. They're more polished, you know, and, and not polished, but they know their craft better. And, and you can actually kind of sense the maturity in their abilities and everything. But it wasn't long after that, that they're like, yeah, we're not touring with that guy anymore. I mean, he was a jerk apparently. Yeah. And, you know, and Miles Kennedy is just like the most chill dude in the room apparently. And, and easy to work with. I mean, you know, Slash loves him. So that's a that's all that matters. That's the only character witness I need. Another booth I sat in at the Rainbow Slash's booth. Oh. <laughs> Gosh. 
gosh, Slash is so good. He's so good at what he does. <laughs> and again, like a signature sound, you know it's Slash when he's playing. That's right. That's right. Um, well, we need to wrap this up, Chris. And any any other thoughts that to kind of throw out there about about all this stuff? I mean, it was just a weird time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, any time that you are like a child in your developmental years and you go from hearing uh, Limp Bizkit break stuff to Baby One More Time mm-hmm. to Falling Away From Me to I Want It That Way, I mean... It definitely probably says a lot about how I ended up the way I ended up. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> and you know what? Long live emo. <laughs> you know, at the end of the documentary, toward the end of the documentary, as things are burning and the police come in, there was one other 2021 piece of commentary that was put on that. And they were talking about how the police were just kind of had face shields and, and baseball bats, basically. Oh, yeah. And, and cleared them out. And they're like, if this had been today and this had been this thing or that thing... And I was like, you know what the difference is? And this is the fundamental understanding of white frat boys in 1999. At the, at the end of the day, that those boys were all just little boys. And the minute they were in trouble, they all ran. They weren't going to, they, they were standing for nothing. They just wanted to burn some stuff and break some stuff. And the minute the, the minute the authorities got there, they were not about to put up a fight. Um, yeah. Because they had no cause other than I just was wanting to break some stuff. So those police knew these little white boys aren't going to do anything to us. We're fine. We don't have to pull out the full riot gear. A baseball bat will suffice. Um, so, but yeah, it, it it that's. I mean, seriously, like if you knew some of those guys back then, they were just. They were all. They were the bad guys from nineteen eighties movies. You know, they yeah. they were the bad guys from John Hughes nineteen eighties movies. Just all talk and nothing else behind it. Yep. Total so, meatheads. Yeah, yep. Yep. So. Anyway, well, that's 1999. Let's wash it out with a little bit of this here before, as we're going. Yeah. Bathe in the waters of death. <laughs> death Leopard. The power of Death Leopard compels you. That's right. Oh, man. Listen, we love to hear from you guys. Uh, tell us where we're wrong. Get on to us about our takes on things. Or chime in and agree at rockoutloudpod at gmail.com rockoutloudpod at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you there or uh, over on the twitter rockoutloudpod or on facebook and and really one of the best ways to get us is with the whole Goloverse group you can get there by going to geekoutonline.com slash group if you want to support the shows you can do so through our amazon links at geekoutpodcast.com that's where all of the uh, the different shows that we do really right now it's Geek Out Loud and Rock Out Loud where they're hosted there, that website, their Amazon links there, or if you're in a position to help the show through Patreon, patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We appreciate everyone chiming in, hanging out. Those that were in the Mixler Zoo crew with us tonight, thanks for hanging with us. And those who are listening by way of the podcast, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or however you get your podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Steve. I'm Kristen. Rock on, guys. Rock on, everybody. Bye.